0: Right. Right.
1: Readings, this is podcast number ninety-five of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, we're going to discuss another major step towards achieving economic and social justice in Venezuela. No-nonsense land reform that allows malnourished hungry people to grow food to feed themselves and their families. And, we'll learn what it really takes to be in solidarity with the third world poor. Let's get right into it. My sources are the New York Times, including audio clips from its website, the advocacy groups VenezuelaAnalysis.org and FoodFirst.org, the polling organization AngusReed.com, and Dictionary.com. Listen to this. Yaracuy is a lawless state.
2: The principle of authority has been lost here. When they illegally invade farms, nothing happens. They have kidnapped 61 landowners, and nothing happens. They have killed 8 landowners, and nothing happens. So there's nothing left to say. Agrarian terrorism has definitely taken over our state
1: agrarian terrorism that's the perspective of the large landowners. Now in stark contrast listen to this. From one of the they's, the perpetrators of agrarian terrorism he's small farmer Lenny Castillo Before we lived in the town of Urachiche, but we didn't have work we didn't have anywhere to produce anything so we rescued the land to produce for our town, for our states, and for our country So what is it? agrarian terrorism, or long-overdue social justice? Let's go over some background information. Like, unfortunately, so many third-world nations, the vast bulk of Venezuela's fertile farmland has long been in the hands of a tiny elite. The top 5% of landowners control 80% of the land. Meanwhile, the bottom 75% of farmers must get by on only 6% of the farmland. As the group Food First explains, quote, Large landowners who control most of the best land often leave most of it idle. Unjust farming systems leave farmland in the hands of the most inefficient producers. By contrast, small farmers typically achieve at least four to five times greater output per acre, in part because they work their land more intensively and use integrated and often more sustainable production systems, close quote. Not only do large landowners leave much of their land idle, but that which they use is often for export crops. We in the rich industrialized West can pay so much more for the products of Venezuela's land than can the majority of poor Venezuelans that these large landowners will often choose to produce food to sell to us, not food to feed their fellow countrymen. Land reform would allow small farmers to grow food to feed themselves and other Venezuelans. Quote, Redistribution of land can favor production. Historically, comprehensive land reforms have markedly increased production in countries as diverse as Japan, Zimbabwe, and Taiwan. A World Bank study of Northeast Brazil estimates that redistributing farmland into smaller holdings would raise output an astonishing 80%. Even if some smaller farmers decide to grow export crops, the profits will be spread more widely through society not limited to just a few wealthy landowners. Land reform is thus a critical element of social justice, and therefore a key element of President Hugo Chavez's agenda. Concentrated land ownership cannot be allowed to stand. Any self-respecting revolution cannot permit such a situation, Mr. Chavez said earlier this month as he signed a decree forming a national commission that will evaluate farms' productivity and the legitimacy of their ownership. Alonzo Zapata is a government official charged with enforcing Venezuela's land reform program. There's prime land, unemployed people, and resources from oil revenue in the country,
0: but we have people dying of hunger, high malnutrition rates in the state, and it's not fair that we have to import the food we consume on a daily
2: basis.
1: Here's how the Venezuelan land reform works. A land commission will examine two elements regarding each large landholding. First, Does the owner have proper land title? Many private landowners are accused of taking over public land and using it as their own. If the landowner does not have proper title, the land will be seized without compensation. Second, if the landowner does have proper title, is the land being left idle? If the land isn't being used, heavy tax penalties will be levied against such unproductive land. The farmers have two years to make the fields productive. Mr. Chavez's government says its priority is not to expropriate, but rather to tax farms into productivity by levying stiff penalties against land that is not being put to use. Close quote. If the land remains idle, the land will be expropriated by the state with compensation paid to the landowner. Then these lands will be farmed by peasant cooperatives. Quote. Chavez has made it clear that his preferred option is to solve this through negotiation with the landowners in which they can give up land they do not use, but also that if no agreement is reached, the full strength of the law and of the army will be used to implement land reform. In many instances, land seizures by the state take the form of impoverished local citizens with local government support, legally invading and occupying the land to be seized. Sometimes military forces accompany them. So far, millions of acres of land have been distributed. Thousands of state-financed cooperatives have been formed. On some land already expropriated by the government, food crops have replaced sugarcane in the fields. On other properties, cattle was raised before and is still being raised since that is what the land is suitable for. The showpiece of the Venezuelan land reform are 12 communal towns that the Chavez government plans to build this year. Quote, Poor farmhands and unemployed town dwellers who squatted on land here are as filled with optimism as wealthy landowners are filled with dread. On the outskirts of the town of Urachiche, for example, is Fundo Bella Vista, a farming community inaugurated by Mr. Chavez during an episode of his television program broadcast here. Bella Vista is one of 12 communal towns that Mr. Chavez plans to build this year. It has neat rows of identical three-bedroom homes for 83 families, a reading room, a radio station, a building with free high-speed internet service, a school, and a plaza with a bust of Simon Bolivar, Venezuela's national hero. With financing from state banks, the cooperative plans crops like manioc, corn, and beans, which officials in Caracas say are better suited to soils here than sugarcane. By burning the cane during land seizures, the squatters prepare the land for other crops and give owners less incentives to fight for control. Quote. All is not perfect, of course. The land reform program does have its internal problems. Many more farmers have received land than have received the credits and technical help they need to succeed. Marino Alvarado works for a human rights group studying land issues. He said, quote, They have already carried out a great land distribution. What they need to make sure of now is that the land does become productive. Close quote. The farmers who haven't yet been provided with what they need still have hope and determination.
2: We don't have transport for our children and we don't have housing, but we are here. We have faith and hope in the national government more than anything.
0: If the government doesn't help us, we're not going to die. We'll keep working with our nails, we'll keep creating consciousness, and we'll continue
1: to unite our will. But the land reform's growing pains aren't its only problems. As you would expect, the landowners are furiously fighting back on several fronts. There are legalistic disputes over whether land titles are valid. A landowner will typically assert
2: This uh, property was originally acquired in 1954. We are the largest sugar-producing property in the state, but only because all of the rest had been expropriated. We now, however, have information that the, the property is going to be invaded over the next uh, week. Uh, They are going to allege that, uh, to begin with, the property does not belong to us, and it has been in the family for 53 years.
1: And the other side will counter... Most of the farmers are locals, but wealthy landowners seized the opportunity and kicked them off the land.
0: But then they hired them and treated them like slaves to work in the sugarcane fields. And they were paid
1: miserable salaries because there were no jobs here. In another example, one huge estate of 32,000 acres is owned by Agroflora, a subsidiary of the British Vesti Group a multinational food corporation which operates all over South America. The Vesti Group says it has voluminous documentation of its ownership rights. The government and the peasants say otherwise. They say much of that land is owned by the state. Another complaint by landowners is that they've had a hard time obtaining compensation for land that was expropriated as idle. But what's this really about? Here's a clue. A landowner opined,
2: For the lower class, it appears to be a much better solution than what they had before. But in my opinion, in an unsustainable type of economy, which has failed in all all other places of of the world, this eventually is going to create a crisis.
1: The poor silly peasants think this is a much better solution than what they had before, but it will fail. I ask, how could what they get now be worse than children dying of malnutrition? Is it not worth a try? Carlos Machado Allison is an agricultural economist at Caracas' Institute for Higher Administrative Studies. He said, By enhancing the state's power, the reforms we're witnessing now are a mechanism to perpetuate poverty in the countryside. More state power will mean a perpetuation of poverty. An archetypal right-wing line of propaganda. Perpetuate poverty? There's been death-dealing poverty in the Venezuelan countryside for 400 years, during which time, Senor Allison, you and your right-wing cohorts have been largely in control. How much longer than 400 years does your method to eradicate poverty require, Senor? You know, and we all know, that you have no such method. You know, and we all know, that it is your policy prescriptions that have created and perpetuated the poverty. For you to be complaining that Chavez's land reforms will perpetuate poverty takes quite a bit of, shall we say, chutzpah. Whenever we hear right-wing ideologues express concern for the poor, we know that something else is afoot. After the break, we'll dig down deeper and see what really has the right wing so upset.
2: Blast the right.
1: The right. Blast the right. The right. Your 1-minute voting report. Blast the Right has been slipping down the top 10 from number 4 to number 5 to number 6 to number 7 where we currently are. Okay, some podcasts with really big audiences have jumped ahead of us, but we can catch up if some previously non-voting listeners decide to vote. If you haven't voted, please vote now and put an automatic reminder on your computer calendar to vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com at the beginning of each month. You know, if you register with them, it doesn't even take 10 seconds to vote. It takes about one second. All you do is click vote, and a box pops up and says your vote has been counted. How's that for convenience? And of course, to everyone who's already voted, thank you. (laughs) primal nature of this conflict is further evidenced by the fact that this has not been just verbal battle. At the beginning of the land reform, which started in 2001, there wasn't much contention because it was public land, millions of acres of it, that was redistributed to peasants. Now that land, ostensibly privately owned, is at issue, the conflicts have begun. The current ostensible owners of the land are up in arms. Literally. There have been explicit threats, quote. The president of the Ranch Owners Association reacted strongly to the decree, saying in an interview on the Global Vision television station that if they eliminate private property rights, they will also be eliminating the peace in Venezuela. This is an ominous threat. In some areas along the border with Colombia, ranch owners have for some time armed guards modeling themselves on, and sometimes getting advice from, the infamous paramilitary gangs from neighboring Colombia. Nice! The big landowners getting help from the right-wing death squads in Colombia. In fact, gunmen hired by Venezuelan landowners have already killed more than 160 peasants eight landowners have also been killed. Remember the clip I opened with, with the landowner claiming that?
2: Agrarian terrorism has definitely taken over our state. Uh,
1: what about the violence of children dying from malnutrition and lack of medical care, while fertile land goes unused nearby? Was it agrarian terrorism for that land to be kept fallow, just so that large landowners could be assured a supply of desperate workers, Willing to work for slave labor wages on their sugarcane plantations? The heated rhetoric and bloodshed is really about the struggle of the right to maintain power, power to maintain their extreme wealth at the expense of others, power to control other people's lives. The oligarchy is always on the attack and trying to say you are no good, Mr. Chavez said to squatters in a televised visit here. They think they're the owners of the world. Close quote. As another government official put it, quote, the reaction of the oligarchy is perhaps logical. The upper class had more than four hundred years of benefits from the system. Close quote. We progressives must understand that Chavez campaigned and was elected on establishing what he calls Bolivarian socialism in Venezuela, quote. Local officials describe the land seizures as paving stones on the road to socialism.
0: They need to understand that we're in a revolutionary process, constructing a socialist fatherland where the idea is to work to benefit the
1: collective. This type of consciousness has spread to the peasants. We're going to keep organizing more comrades so they join in this struggle, so that we succeed and eliminate capitalism forever and the rich landowners. It is just such a change in consciousness among the average citizenry that is the right's greatest fear. As the narrator of a New York Times video accompanying its story put it, At least one thing is clear.
0: The rich are fearful, while the poor feel empowered
1: like never before. Empowered like never before. And it could spread. Remember when we discussed Bolivia's nationalization of its natural gas industry? An expert was quoted there, worried about other countries getting ideas. Quote, I don't think the game is over. It's going to move from the Americas to the Africans. This is a very dangerous precedent. Close quote. Taking back the fertile farmland in Venezuela from the multinationals and the local elites is just like taking back Bolivia's natural gas industry and just like taking back Venezuela's oil industry from the multinationals and the local elites. Do you think the non-elite, impoverished people of Venezuela will ever again let their children starve while next door the rich have feasts? ever let their country's wealth be plundered and sold for a mess of pottage to the highest foreign bidder, ever again cower in fear of their masters. Quote, Lizbeth Colmenares, 22, was radiant as she showed a visitor her new home here, where she and her family live rent-free. Before Chavez, the government would have been happy to let us starve, said Ms. Colmenares, holding her six-month-old daughter, Luzelis. We'll never let what we have now be taken from us. The state and federal government holds Bella Vista as an example of the ideological fervor mister Chavez is trying to instill in the countryside. Close quote. This is unthinkable to the elites, even to the New York Times. That paper's reporting stinks of an attitude that these ignorant poor people don't deserve all these good things to happen to them. I waited until near the end here to read you the, at once, sensationalistic and patronizing first couple of paragraphs of the main New York Times story on this issue. Quote, The squatters arrive before dawn with machetes and rifles, surround the well-ordered rows of sugarcane, and threaten to kill anyone who interferes. Then they light a match to the crops and declare the land their own. For centuries, much of Venezuela's rich farmland has been in the hands of a small elite. After coming to power in 1998, and especially after his re-election in December, President Hugo Chavez vowed to end that inequality and has been keeping his promise in a process that is both brutal and legal. Mr. Chavez is carrying out what may become the largest forced land redistribution in Venezuela's history, building utopian farming villages for squatters, lavishing money on new cooperatives, and sending army commando units to supervise seized estates. Similarly, in the New York Times video, the narrator marvels that with its new gardens and school, Fundo Bella Vista could pass for an American suburb. You hear the condescension, utopian villages. Money is being lavished on them. American Heritage Dictionary, lavish, characterized by or produced with extravagance and profusion. Could pass for an American suburb. Surely something no Venezuelan peasant should have. Poor peasant squatters shouldn't be able to live like Americans. Beyond the paper's condescension, there's also the line about this being the largest forced land redistribution. When is land redistribution ever not forced? And largest? I don't think so. The largest was the initial redistribution that by fraud, theft, and violence took the land away from the indigenous people in the first place. The implications of the land reform go far beyond agriculture. Quote, this is not just about land. If the conflict over land reform deepens, as it is bound to do, and the land is expropriated and given over to landless peasants, then workers in industry are bound to draw similar conclusions. Instances like that of the Venipal paper mill, which the owners declared bankrupt and the workers took over and are now demanding to be nationalized under workers' control, will spread. Close quote. The moral here is, you reap what you sow. You sow centuries of misery and death from unbridled capitalism, people will turn to socialism. To impoverished victims of right-wing policies everywhere, capitalism isn't like to an American, a great wealth-producing mechanism that has spread prosperity throughout the country. No, capitalism is inextricably linked in their minds with 400 years of brutal colonial rule, vast land theft, and countless generations of starvation-level existence with babies and children dying and the landlord's goons ready to kill you if you complain. A question you may be asking yourself is, Will Chavez's land reform work? Will his Bolivarian socialism work? I ask myself that all the time. And frankly, the answer is beyond me. I'm not an economist. I've never been to Venezuela. Certainly the New York Times, not to mention hordes of right-wing experts, are quite fond of pointing out that quote, top-down land redistribution projects have a troubled history in Latin America, including Venezuela itself, which last tried it in the 1960s. Even neighboring countries like Brazil, with a flourishing agribusiness industry, still struggle with militant demands for land from the rural poor. Indeed, in Venezuela, the success of its prior land reform was reversed. Quote, "90% of farmland given to the poor under a 1960 agrarian reform had since returned to large landholders" Close quote. what we have to be careful about those of us in the middle class is not to let our delicate middle-class sensitivities overcome our sense of right and wrong change in the third world may not always follow the niceties such as they are ...of an Iowa Republican primary caucus meeting. A recent poll in Venezuela found Chavez's popularity rating at 64.7%. The Venezuelan people are solidly behind him. So while I don't know if Chavez's choice of policies will succeed... ...what I do know is that Venezuela's land reform... ...its entire revolutionary project... ...should not have its success or not influenced by U.S. interference... That's our job as progressives, to prevent U.S. interference. So let's look inward and focus on making sure our own values are solid enough to guide us to do the right thing. We have some expert guidance. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke about changing our values as a nation.
0: A true revolution of values will soon look uneasily On the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth, with righteous indignation, it will look across the seas and see individual capitalists of the West investing huge sums of money in Asia, Africa, and South America, only to take the profits out with no concern for the social betterment of the countries and say this is not just. It will look at our alliance with the landed gentry of South America and say, this is not just.
1: And with the proper values, and with us not wanting to be in alliance with the landed gentry of South America, what should we do? King explicitly tells us in prophetic terms.
0: These are revolutionary times all over the globe. Men are revolting against old systems of exploitation and oppression, and out of the wounds of a frail world new systems of justice and equality are being born. The shirtless and barefoot people of the land are rising up as never before. The people who, set in darkness, have seen a great light. We in the West must
1: support these revolutions. The shirtless and barefoot people of Venezuela have spoken and endorsed Hugo Chavez's policies, his Bolivarian revolution. What do you think Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about if not supporting precisely such a revolution? Being in solidarity with the Venezuelan people means support for their sovereignty and opposition to U.S. interference. Not necessarily support for every policy or action of the Venezuelan government and people, but for their right to make those policies, take those actions, control their own destiny, not us. I'm in solidarity with the Venezuelan people. Are you? Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. Tell 20 friends, and you can all go vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. There's a one-click link to do so on my podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Why don't you come over to the podcast homepage, subscribe for free, and you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. A really big thanks to Ellen in Kansas City and Scott from www.notyouraverageidiot.com for some indispensable help with the audio production part of the podcast. A bit of housekeeping, if you found Blast the Right from an ad on newshounds.us or thenation.com, please write in and let me know. I'm trying to gauge the effectiveness of an advertising campaign. Music credits. The break music was The Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music and Not the One Blues by Bernshee Thornside. We'll close with a little bit of Too Much Bush by Wang Dang Doodle. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. All the email that's coming in is really great. Keep sending it to rational at com. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave a message for me on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.
0: You've worn out your welcome Close your puppet show Deep, can you hear me? What i have to say Too much bush for far too long It's time for a brand new day